Investment advisory services provided by Creative Financial Designs Incorporated. Securities are offered through CFD Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. 2704 South Goyer Road, Kokomo, Indiana, 46902-795-453-9600. Christian Wealth Management, LLC, is not affiliated with CFD Investments Incorporated or Creative Financial Designs Incorporated. And welcome back to the Christian Wealth Management Podcast. My name is Nathan Carroll. Excited to bring this podcast to you. I hope you've enjoyed the other podcasts that we've released at this point. Uh, really excited for for bringing this to you in 2023. Hopefully it's something that can help you with your relationship with money, help you in your finances, and maybe even help you in your relationship with Christ. So uh, it's something we're really blessed to be doing. I'm super blessed to, to be able to kind of spearhead for for Christian Wealth Management, and really looking forward to the future of the podcast, as well as today's episode. Going to be doing a solo podcast today, which isn't always the easiest thing, so so give me some grace if it's not perfect, but really excited for this, really feel like um, God has put something on my heart in in being able to hopefully teach you guys something or be able to help you with, with something. So, Getting right into it, you see what it's about in the in the title of the podcast. Going to be doing seven financial tips for you. Some of these might be ones that you already know. You might already have them instilled in your life, and some of these might be brand new to you. These are all things that to some extent or another, uh, me and my wife and my family partake in, and I think it's something that uh, to some extent is pretty universal in some way or another. So no matter who you are, no matter where you're at listening to this, I, I think that there's going to be something you can take from it. Um, and let's waste no time. Let's just jump right into it. Very first tip for you, and if you're not doing it already, number one, start a budget. It is so simple. It is so easy. Again, most of you listening to this, if you're reaching out for financial podcasts, you probably already have this. But to me, this is kind of the groundwork of having a uh, healthy financial life. Um, the budget, it's work for, sh- for sure. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, they think of budgets as being constricting. They think of budgets as, as something that's a burden on their life. But in reality, if you have a healthy relationship with your budget, it should be something that's freeing for you. Uh, it's, it's ideally something that's just going to help you track where your money's at, track where you're spending so that typically you're in one of two boats, either one Uh, You can feel freedom that you're not drowning as much as you think you are. Or number two, if you have some excess, it's going to help you uh, practically save for those things that you want to do in the future. You know, if you want to take a trip, want to buy a new car, want to buy a house, whatever those things are, it's going to give you the groundwork to be able to do those things. And there's a few ways you can actually go about budgeting. Um, My wife and I, we use Google Sheets. I went through and made a spreadsheet and we just have everything kept in there. So uh, we, we, we're pretty specific with how we do it. You know, we've got our, obviously our groceries in there, our, uh, you know, all of our different savings accounts that we use. We've got our gas and you know, dog food, all those sorts of things. But we break it down into the nitty gritty, you know, all the supplements that we buy for our health you know, individual subscription services that we're a part of, you know, so you've got the 
whether it's the Hulu, the Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it is, we've got all that listed out for us. And that's what works for us. But something I always want to tell people when they ask about budgets is do what works for you. There isn't a perfect system for budgeting. Again, the spreadsheet works for us. There's other people I know who they use apps. There's a lot of really good apps out there that help you keep track of your budget, uh, keep track of where your money's at. And something that, that Dave Ramsey recommends that I think works for some people is literally just doing cash and envelopes. You know, every single week or once a month, going to the bank, taking out cash, putting it in envelopes for the week or the month, whatever it is, and labeling those envelopes. If you want to stay steadfast to, we want to spend $100 a month eating out, go to the bank, take out $100 in cash, put it in an envelope, write on the envelope eating out, and that's your budget for the month. And if you run out of cash, you run out of cash. I think that's a, it's not practical for all people, but I think for some people, it's a very practical way to, to stay within their spending limits and their spending habits. Um, what I love about a budget is, if I mentioned this earlier, but if your budget's tight, it's going to help you stay in line, make sure that you're staying on track, not going into debt. And if you're someone who's has a little bit more income or lower expenses, you're at an excess, it's going to help you keep track of those saving goals. Um, and if you want help creating a budget or just want more information on budgeting, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, you know, we've got our, our social media that we use as well. You can reach out to us by email. We'd love to just sit down, talk with you, help you out. And I think even though we're in the world of investing, uh, budgeting is a great first step if that's the the next step that you want to make. Um, and again, that's that's my opinion on it, but I think it's a very useful tool. All right, number two here, think about and save for the holidays now. It's a, Obviously, it's a time of joy. It's a time of love. It's a time of generosity, but it's a time of financial stress for a lot of people. I saw a statistic the other day that the average American household was spends between $900 and $1,000 on Christmas. I'm sure some of you listening spend even more. That's a big financial constraint for a lot of people. It's a big financial burden. And I think the best way to ease that burden on your November and December budgets is to think about it ahead of time. So my wife and I, for example, we have a running gifts savings that we have. So all year long, we just throw in 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month into that gift savings. So by the time Christmas, Thanksgiving rolls around, we're not worrying about finding an extra three or $400 in our December budget. It's okay, hey, we've been building this up all year long. So something I would recommend, uh, figure out for yourself, okay, how much did we spend on the holidays last year? You know, if you spent $400 putting together Thanksgiving dinner and another $800 for Christmas buying gifts for people, just know, okay, we spent about $1,200 on the holidays. Let's start just saving $100 a month right now so that when the holidays roll around again, we'll be ready to go. We've got a, a nice little nest egg built up. And you might need to take a, a late push. Even my wife and I, you know, we built up our savings. But in November and December, we added, you know, an extra $100, $200 to the November, December budgets. Uh, but that's a big difference than adding $800 to your budget. So I strongly recommend uh, thinking about it now. Start thinking about the holidays now. Start saving for them now. And along that thread, financial tip number three for y'all today, uh, create multiple savings accounts. You know, I think a lot of times, especially if you didn't grow up in a household that encouraged healthy financial habits, uh, we just think of a savings account. 
right? You have your emergency fund and that's where you stick your savings. And then I think a lot of people just kind of wonder, well, how do I save for a car? How do I save for a trip? How do I, you know, whatever it is that you want to save for. And most of you out there probably have some sort of emergency savings and maybe you have multiple savings accounts already. But once your emergency savings built up, I really do recommend multiple savings accounts to keep track of your financial goals. At the end of the day, uh, you know, money should be a vehicle for living the life that we want to live and accomplishing what we want to accomplish. You know, so if if one of your goals is you want to go on a missions trip and that missions trip is going to be $5,000, we should be setting aside money specifically for that goal. So it's a, a practical way of seeing how close we've gotten to that goal. And just some examples of, of what these savings accounts can be. Some of these are ones that my wife and I use. Some of them are not. Uh, but a travel savings, like I've alluded to, a car savings is one I really strongly recommend. You know, cars are expensive when they break down. You know, my wife's car has an issue with the air conditioning and it's a $1,400 fix. You know, instead of pulling from our emergency money, we have a separate car budget that we can pull from and say, hey, this is dedicated towards those big fixes. I think creating a car savings is a a massive relief on your budget when those issues do come around. Um, and worst case scenario, if you build up your budget like crazy, you don't have any issues with your car, use that money for your next car, right? Use it as the as the cash for your next car. So car savings is a great one. Fun savings for you and your spouse. If you're someone who's, uh, let's say a little, you're tight with money, but we'll put it kindly. If you don't like to spend for yourself and you worry about overspending and being extravagant, a very practical way of saying, hey, this is money that I want to set aside for just me. Money I want to set aside just for my wife. Create a fun budget, create a fun savings. You know, my wife and I, we've got things and dreams of things that we want to save up for and do ourselves. You know, my wife wanted to buy an espresso machine. For those of you who don't know, I didn't an espresso machine runs five or $600. So we kept building up our fund budget. And when her fund budget got to a point that she could afford to buy a, an espresso machine, she bought an espresso machine for herself. And she didn't have to feel guilty buying that because it wasn't taking away money from, you know, building our, uh, you know, our down payment on the house. It didn't take away from paying off any debts that we have. It didn't take away from our groceries or our child's college savings. It was money that she had been putting away since we had gotten married. And so I think fund savings, very practical way to be able to do the things you want to do in your financial life. Next one sounds kind of obvious, but house savings, you have issues with the house, right? Like you need a new roof. You need to replace the flooring. You want to paint, uh, just start building a savings for your house, even if it's uh, just building for a down payment on a house. I definitely recommend doing that, as well as just some other ones. Uh, a baby budget, so whenever there's big baby expenses, you're ready for that. Uh, and whatever else, honestly, you just need to fit your lifestyle. Figure out what you want to save for and open a savings account for it. Uh, I would also say there's kind of two ways you can go about it. Even if you're someone who who spreadsheets it like we are, we just have a section on our spreadsheet of, hey, this is how much we've saved for these savings accounts. That way for us, instead of having 10 different savings accounts, we have it all broken out. You know, we've got two savings accounts and it's broken out in our spreadsheet. But if you want to get more information on that, again, reach out, but open up multiple savings accounts. Big thing with that, as long as you just want to make sure you have the account minimum in there. So you don't have that, you know, $5 monthly charge or whatever it is. Uh, at most banks, 
you're talking a few hundred dollars minimum to be in that account. So just something to be, to be mindful of. All right. Financial tip number four, create a buffer. Probably wondering, okay, what is a buffer? What does that mean? Well, a, a buffer is essentially getting you off of living paycheck to paycheck and worrying about how much money is in your bank account. So in my opinion, the most stressful part about finances for a lot of people is being paycheck to paycheck, needing to look, you know, if you go out to dinner, your friends ask you want to go to dinner, you have to check your bank account and see if you can do that. Uh, stressful. And I think to some extent, most of us have probably been there before. Uh, but a buffer essentially is to get you off of paycheck to paycheck and you're not worrying about when payday is. The idea in a sentence is essentially you're paying this month's bills with last month's paycheck. So you don't have to worry about, hey, do I have enough money in my account? The only thing you have to worry about is, okay, is this in the budget for the month, right? So how do you create a buffer? What does that actually look like? I think step one, setting a buffer goal. I recommend that it should be at least the size of your rent or your mortgage. So if you're paying $2,000 a month on your mortgage, your buffer should be at least $2,000. Reason being that is your biggest expense. So in my opinion, if your mortgage is due the 27th and payday is the 28th, you should be able to pay your mortgage and not have to worry about uh, payday being the next day. So figure out what your rent is, figure out what your mortgage is. That's what your buffer should be. And then you should start budgeting buffer money every month into your budget. And essentially what that is, let's say you're doing $200 into your buffer every month. You've got all your savings, you got all your expenses, your grocery, gas for the car, okay, the emergency fund. Put in there your buffer money. And as soon as the month starts, if you're budgeting $200 for it, put that you've spent $200 on your, on your buffer money. Well, where does that money go? You just leave it in your checking account. That money is spent. It was spent on the buffer, just sitting in your checking account. And you do that after enough months and you're going to start to build that buffer. You know, in, if you start with, let's say, $100 a month for your buffer, and if your goal, if you, have a, if you pay $1,200 in rent, which I feel like is a fairly realistic number for uh, a lot of people, at least living in the Boise metro area, if you're living alone or maybe with a roommate in a nicer place, 100 bucks a month, it might take a year to get there, uh, but you'll have it knocked out in a year. And from there, you've, you've got your buffer built. You're no longer living paycheck to paycheck. And obviously, if you can throw more money at it sooner, the better. You know, if you can afford to do three, 400 bucks a month, if you're living on that rent number, then you'll have it knocked out in a couple of months. So something I recommend when I, when I met my wife at the time, she was just the, the cute girl at young adults in church. Uh, when I met her, she was living paycheck to paycheck. And one of the first things I did with her at this point, help her build a buffer. And she says it was the number one thing uh, that helped her have a better relationship with finance was building that buffer. She no longer had to check her, her bank account every time she wanted to go out with friends, anytime she needed to pay healthcare bills, anytime she needed to get dog food. She didn't have to check her bank account. She just had to put it in the budget. So create a buffer. Uh, really, really strongly recommend it. Number five, and this one's a bit of an obvious one, but have accountability. Uh, a budget is only as good as how well you stick to it. You could have the best budget in the world, have everything for your entire month broken down by the cent, every single purchase. I'm talking your pack of ramen, your bananas, your eggs, every single thing is broken out. But if the first day of the month you go crazy and spend 
an extra $200 on something that wasn't in the budget, it doesn't matter how good your budget is. So best way to do it, you have to have some sort of accountability. And some people are good enough that they have the self-accountability. I typically was before I was married. I was like, hey, this is my budget. I'm sticking to it. Other people don't have that you know, self-accountability power. So find somebody that can be your accountability. I think that's the reason, number one reason I should say that people's budgets, they try it and they fail with it because they don't have accountability with it. You know, if you're married, your spouse should be your accountability with it. If you're the one managing the budget, you should be going to your spouse and making sure, hey, everything we're doing is is staying within the budget. You know, I've seen friends of mine who maybe weren't as good with their budget before they got married, but once they got married, things got figured out because they had that extra accountability. And if it's something that you and your spouse are struggling with, you as a couple need accountability, I would say find another couple, find a marriage counselor, right? Um, I saw a statistic a while back that money is the number one reason for divorce in America. Just stresses with finances and to some extent. So money is very much a marriage issue. Your budget is very much a marriage issue. So if you need help in your money, if you need help in your budget and your finances, take that to a marriage counselor and let your marriage counselor be your practical accountability check to your budget. Uh, I think that's a, a massive step that people don't want to talk about. And a lot of times they, they don't bring it up until it's too late, but find that accountability for you. And if you're someone who's not married and, or even if you are married, find a friend, find a family member. You know, I, I know for me and my family, my dad has always been very financially oriented. If any of us had asked him, Hey, will you be the accountability for a budget? He would have leaped at the opportunity to do it. So find a friend, find a family member, find a pastor, whoever, just find somebody that you can be accountable to. Find somebody who's going to tell you, hey, you spent $100 eating out last week. You wanted to spend $100 the whole month. Maybe it's time to, to start eating groceries. And I think another part of that, when you find the accountability, find ways to to help with the accountability, but then as well, just find ways that, okay, once you've been held accountable, how can we adapt? How can we pivot? Like I mentioned, if you spend $100 eating out the first week of the month, you've got $0 eating out the rest of the month, figure out ways that you can better essentially buy groceries and not have to eat out all the time. You know, whether that's in that particular case, you know, meal prepping, finding meals that work, spending time with friends or inviting them to your house instead of going uh, out to eat. Regardless, figure out ways that, okay, once a little mistake has been made, how can we pivot, rectify, and make sure that we, we don't compound the mistake. Uh, but yeah, find accountability. The point at the end of the day is to better your financial health. That's why most people reach out to financial advisors. It's why people want a budget. It's why people look to change their financial situation. They want better financial health. If you're just going to ignore the issues, if you're not going to be accountable to your finances, you're never going to actually get better in your finances. So that is number five, have accountability. Number six, a little bit different, a little bit outside the box, side hustle. I'm a big believer in having a side hustle. And for those of you who don't know what a side hustle is, it's just a way to supplement your primary income doing another thing. And there's a lot of ways that you can side hustles. There's a lot of different ways that it works. And I, I think first you need to figure out one, why are you side hustling? I think that there's uh, a couple of main reasons that people side hustle. And one of these probably applies to you. If it doesn't figure out why you want to side hustle or why it's necessary for you. But I think in general, 
I'd say 90% of people side hustle for one of the three reasons. One, they want to save for a big purchase. So let's say you're getting ready to buy a new car. You want to bring in some extra money to be able to put away. So you figure out something you can do on the side to help make that extra money. Two, you're getting out of debt. Uh, you're in a situation that, you know, you've built up a lot of debt and you need extra money to bring in to, to help pay it off. So you, you find whatever that second side hustle is. Uh, and then three, maintaining a more expensive lifestyle. So let's say, and then that doesn't mean you're living a lavish or extravagant lifestyle. It just means, hey, on average, I spend $2,000 a month, but my job brings in $1,800 a month. I know those numbers aren't entirely accurate for most people, but uh, essentially it's, hey, I need an extra $200 to be able to upkeep the way that I'm living right now. And on the flip side, maybe you have a good paying job. You bring in $7,000 a month, but you're like, you know, I just want to live a lifestyle of 8,000. I got this house with a big mortgage that I want to live. And so you find that side hustle to help fill it. I'd say 90% of people side hustle for one of those three reasons. Uh, and I would even add the fourth that people side hustle as a, a, a long-term avenue for a different career. I think a lot of people will do that. So if you're in a job that you're not necessarily loving, you had something on the side that you're really passionate about. So you can try to build a business out of it. That's kind of where my life and financial things started. I was doing some financial coaching for people while I was working as an accountant. Uh, but in another way, bigger picture, I've seen, I have friends who, for example, you know, have a friend who works as a teacher, but on the side, he does a lot of writing, like sports writing, because he's really passionate about that. And I think in his dream, he would be working as a, working for ESPN or Fox Sports, one of those companies doing writing for them being a, a sports journalist. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll expand that to four reasons that people side hustle. Some side hustle options for you though. And I guess, let me backtrack here for a second. I think side hustling is a great option and it's important uh, for a few reasons. One, because it can help you achieve those, those big purchases or help you get out of debt. It's a great way to supplement your income. Two, I think it's a great way to spend your free time. I think it's if you're someone who, especially if you're single, don't have kids, you know, you've got a lot of downtime. And I think just practically, if you're someone who's looking for more ways to be productive instead of sitting at home and scrolling TikTok or playing video games, being able to do something that's that's going to help you make money is a great way to supplement that time. And I think lastly, it's a great way to just try new things, build new skills. Uh, for example, let's say that you really want to work on your craftsmanship learn how to build furniture and then go sell the furniture. It's a way to bring in money. It's a way to work on, on a skill that, that you have a desire to work on. So some side hustling options that I'm aware of at least, and there are, I cannot exaggerate enough. There are literally thousands of side hustles out there. So first and foremost, just find the one that works for you. Uh, for me, it was financial coaching. And for a long time, I wasn't even bringing in money doing it. I was just doing it because I loved it and I wanted to gain experience doing it. But towards the end, it was something that I was able to start bringing in money doing. Uh, but just some options for you. Flipping furniture is one I, I'm familiar with. Essentially, you go on eBay, Craigslist, uh, Facebook Marketplace, whatever your preferred online secondhand retailer is. Uh, you buy furniture, you fix it up, you know, give it a new fresh stain or paint. If you couldn't tell, I don't flip furniture. So I'm not super familiar with all the terminology, but uh, essentially you, you buy furniture that's underpriced, make it look clean. 
and then resell it on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, eBay, whatever it is, at a higher price. That's one that I've seen people have success with. Another one, and this one's kind of obvious, you've probably been on the consumer side of it multiple times, but Uber, DoorDash, Instacart, any of those drive services, I think uh, in terms of picking which one, do your research, figure out the pros and cons in each, figure out which, like, why you would enjoy each one. So, for me, I used to DoorDash when I was in college. Reason being is at 8 o'clock at night, if I was bored, I didn't mind going out, making some extra money and listening to podcasts, you know, going through drive throughs picking up money, didn't really have to interact with people. It was great. For other people, they love Uber because they love the chance to get to meet and talk and uh, socialize with people as they go around driving. But I think all of those drive services are a great side hustle option. Another one, selling your old stuff. Look, as Americans, we've got so much old crap just sitting in our uh, sitting in our garage, sitting in the basement, wherever. Just go through it and start selling stuff. You know, even if you're not selling it for true market value, just go sell it. Get rid of it. One, it's going to help declutter your life. Two, you're going to be able to make a little bit of money off of it. As well, just a couple others. There's lots of online tutoring options out there. Uh, I don't know the websites off the top of my head, but feel free to just go online and look up online tutor and you'll be able to find places that you can apply uh, as well. Websites like Fiverr where essentially you have a skill, say you're really good at drawing or playing the piano, people will pay you to, to do those services online. Uh, and then as well, just starting a business around your passions and skills. You know, I've brought up the financial coaching multiple times for me, but I really recommend this too. If you're in a spot, if you're in a career that you don't enjoy, right now, it's not your favorite and you have other bigger passions, figure out a way that you can start building a side hustle around it. You know, if, if you want to work in the world of sports as a journalist, just start writing, start your own blog, start your own podcast, you know, whatever it is. If, if you're not in a place where, where you're happy, or again, if you just want to move up to a place like, Hey, this is what I would want to do one day, start, start a business around it, figure out what it is. You know, I had, I had a friend who, like just love dogs. And so she's just started dog sitting and dog walking in her free time. And um, I haven't talked to her in years, but I don't know if she made a business out of it, but at the very least she was making a little bit of money and uh, got to do what she really enjoyed doing, which was just spending time with dogs. So number six, side hustle, figure out a way that it works for you, figure out a way that it works for your family. I didn't even mention this one, but like for my family, my wife, she, she played softball her whole life, played college softball. So she's been coaching softball for the last three or four years. It brings in like an extra 600 bucks a month and she gets to do what she loves on the side from her, her regular job. Like really, really great gig. Figure out what you love and, and go side hustle doing it. And our seventh, our final financial tip, and this is the most important one, which is why I saved it for last. It really should be first in your financial life, give. And it is so obvious. It's so in front of our face, but give. Find out ways to be generous. Find out ways to be give. You know, as Christians, we talk about tithes and offerings a lot, but I believe even just beyond that, figuring out ways to be generous, figuring out ways to support causes that we're passionate about. Uh, Our relationship with money as humans is very complicated. Because on one sense, money is supposed to be a vehicle for the things that we want. But on the other, it's some becomes something that we want to hoard. It's something that we want to love. You know, talk about First Timothy 6.10, that, uh, you know, the, the 
love of money is the root of all evil. So how can we practically shed our love for money as Christians? And I think giving is the best way to do it. I know for my wife and I, you know, we, we give our 10% and then find other ways to be uh, generous every month. It's a practical way for us to say, okay, this is not what it's about. You know, this $600, $1,000, that's not what this is about. It's not why we do what we do. It's not why we're kingdom people. It's not why we have jobs. Obviously, yes, we have jobs because we get income from it and the income allows us to live life. But at the same time, my wife and I have talked about, we don't want our jobs to just be an avenue for money. We want our jobs to be a place that we're passionate about. We want our jobs to be a place where we feel like we can help people and build the kingdom. And so for us, giving is a practical way of reminding ourselves, hey, that's what this is really about. Our jobs are a chance to bless people. It's not just a chance to to be blessed ourselves. And I say this all the time, but if our money is a reflection of our heart, I think this is the best way to posture your heart towards God. You know, it says in the Bible that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so what better way to give than, than with your money? And there's lots of ways to give outside of just your money. You know, you can give with your, your time. You can give with your home, your generosity. Give with your skills. If you're someone who loves cooking, you know, cooking meals for friends, family, people in need. You know, if you're uh, somebody who has a particular set of skills, let's say you're a, a musician, you know, being able to, to bless people on the worship team or help give out uh, you know, instrument lessons, whatever, again, your instrument is. But figuring out just ways to give, figure out ways that you can bless others with what you have. And again, practically, we're a financial podcast. We talk about the money, but just your time, whatever it is, find out ways to give. I promise that one, financially, uh, you're going to see it's not as much of a burden as you think, but it's going to change your relationship with money. And I, I, I think that you're just going to be able to live a, a little bit more fruitful life if you're doing that. So that's our that's our tips. Run back through them again for you. Number one, start a budget. Number two, think about and start saving for the holidays now. And number three, along that thread, create multiple savings accounts. Number four, create a buffer so that you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Number five, have accountability, find accountability, and use accountability. Number six, find a side hustle. Find something you're passionate about. Find an extra way to make money. And then number seven, give. And whatever you do, just give your time, your money, all of it. Uh, I really enjoyed this podcast. I hope you did too. Uh, Really excited for what's continuing to come. We've got a couple of things uh, in store that I think you guys are really going to like. And feel free to give us feedback. You know, give us a follow on Instagram. Shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. Uh, As well, in the future, we want to do a mailbag episode. For those of you not familiar, mailbag is essentially we go through and answer all of your questions that you have for us. They call it a mailbag because when it first started, you had to physically send in letters in the mail. They would throw them in a big bag. You'd pull it out of the bag and read the questions. But we've got email now. We've got Instagram. We just put it in the notes app and and then do a podcast about it. So uh, definitely, definitely, definitely send us your questions. Send us your feedback. We've loved doing this so far. We're so excited to bring more to you. Uh, I'm so blessed that I get to, to do this and spearhead this project for you. So anyways... Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Stay blessed and take care.
Thank you for listening to the Christian Wealth Management Podcast. For more information, feel free to call our office line at 208-918-8655 or shoot us an email at service at christianwm.com. Thanks for listening and God bless.